Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share. Apologies to everybody online. We are starting one minute late. Technical difficulties in somebody else's computer. Two minutes. This week's Pasha Pasha is Va'ata Titzave. Today, tonight, is Tess Other Rishon. Now, Tess Other Rishon is not today. Tess Other Shani was the day that the Rebbe, Friedrich Rebbe, arrived in America. And the famous quote from the Friedrich Rebbe America is Nisht Andrish. America is no different. They looked at the Friedrich Rebbe, he put on his big day Shabbos to come off the boat. He was in a wheelchair bound, he was wheelchair bound in his big day Shabbos, in his Bekesh, in his Trimal, in his Padik. And they came over to him and said, Lebavitcher Rebbe, it's America, this is America, it's not the same, it's not Europe here. To which the Rebbe answered, America is Nisht Andrish. The daughter of the Friedrich Rebbe, ultimately, Mushka, our Rebetzin, Aim Yisrael, had a very interesting story. She was a very well-read woman. And very, oftentimes she would travel to the library in Manhattan. One time, she came to the librarian, check out a book, and the librarian noticed her last name, Schneerson. And she said to her, Schneerson, are you related to the great rabbi in Brooklyn? The rabbi suggests, it's my husband. And she said, I, I revere him, I respect him, I'm in awe of him. But I went to him for a blessing. And, and I didn't get, he gave me the blessing, but I didn't have any results. Needless to say, the Rebetzin was very, very upset for the poor person. The Rebetzin asked her, perhaps I can know. Perhaps you want to tell me what it was, my child. Ooh, what it was, my child, that you asked for. And she told the Rebbe, she told the Rebetzin, she asked the Rebbe for a bracha for, child, for children. She was married in several years, and she was very upset and depressed that she didn't have any children. And she asked the Rebbe for a bracha for a child. And the Rebbe told her he would give her a bracha. She should undertake a certain commandment. A mitzvah. And she said, fine, she would. And she asked the Rebbe, perhaps the Rebbe wants to recommend a mitzvah that I should undertake. And the Rebbe told her to light Shabbos candles. Now she was not a stranger to this. She had come from Europe, from war-torn Europe, and in war-torn Europe, her mother used to light Shabbos candles. So she was not a stranger to the lighting of Shabbos candles. 
And when the Rebbe recommended it, she was actually keen on the idea. She liked it. And she agreed. And it's two years now, she says to the Rebetzin. Every Friday she lights the candles, religiously, and the blessing has not come into fruition. Now I respect the Rebbe, she says, and everything but Tachlis, I need to see the blessing. Well, the Rebetzin was very, very hurt for her. The Rebetzin told her, I too have no children. I feel your pain. Let me ask you. You light Shabbos candles every Friday. When do you light it? She said, what do you mean? I wait for my husband to come home. He stands there next to me. He puts on a yarmulke. I cover my hair. And I make the bro- I light the candles. I make I make the bracha. And I make the bracha. What's going on here? Answer. I'm answering. Why is, oh, it's answer here. Okay. And I make the bracha. Every Friday night, you make. What time does your husband come home from work? The Rebetzin asked her, and she said, "The Rebetzin." She tells the Rebetzin, "My husband comes home from work seven, eight o'clock at night, and we do this ritual together." The Rebetzin was so hurt for this woman, but the Rebetzin also understood what the problem was, what was lacking, and the Rebetzin told her, "No, Shabbos candles have to be lit at a certain time." By lighting 7, 8 o'clock at night, you're not Yetzer. To which the woman now understood the Rebetzin explained how it has to be done. And the Rebetzin gave her, took her number. And for years, this woman used to come visit the Rebetzin in Brooklyn with her children. These are little things that the Rebetzin without anybody knowing what was going on, what was happening. As a small marshal to this, I got a story this week of a pregnant deer. It was a pregnant deer and it was in the forest and it felt it was time to give birth. It cleared itself a little clearing near the water and it felt the pains was about to give birth and a storm broke out and between the water and the forest lightning hit in the forest and a fire burst out here the deer is sitting there between the fire and the lake and the rushing water what do I do but an insult to injury the, beer, the deer picks its head up in front of it. It sees a hunter mounting a bow, mounting an arrow into its bow and drawing back. And the deer turns to behind, perhaps to run behind. And there's a ferocious lion waiting to pounce on its prey. But what was in the deer's head? What was the deer thinking? Only one thing. My child that fawn that needs to be born, 
That's what's important right now. That's what needs to happen. Hashem will take care of everything. And lo and behold, a very, very strong lightning bolt struck, blinded the hunter for a second, and the hunter let go of the arrow. The arrow missed the deer and hit the lion. The rain began to pour down very, very heavily and doused the fire. And the fawn was brought into the world. This is a message. Bitochen in Hashem that we need to have. When we seemingly see the water flowing from one side, fire burning from the other side, the predator from the third, and our nemesis from the other, we have to know that Hashem is there always to protect. And even the animal knows that this is how Hashem protects. Change a little bit the milks to keep things a little less severe. It's Khadish other after all. There was a court case. A man was being tried for murder. One of the audience here said, I'm crazy for telling this story. Ah. Sorry folks. Telling it anyway. There's a court case. A man is being tried for murder. And the prosecuting attorney tells him, You killed your wife with the hammer. And he puts his head down. And this man screams in the back, You chalele! It's contempt of court. Shah! And you killed the children with a hammer. Again, the guy screaming and cursing at him. And you killed the pet with the hammer. And again, the guy is now ranting and raving. And finally, the judge says, Sir, this is a court, some decorum, some respect. What are you screaming at this man? We know he's a despicable person. He killed so many people. He says, Who's talking about killing people? I'm his neighbor. You know how many times I asked him to borrow a hammer and he said he doesn't have one? Oh, yeah, bro. We need to sometimes keep perspective as to who, where we are and what we have as neighbors. Pashas Tetzave, Va'ata Tetzave is B'nai Yisrael, V'yikhu Eilecha. The famous, famous Pasha Va'ata Tetzave, the famous Maimah that the Rebbe gives out, the last Maimah that we have, Ka'is Ata from the Rebbe. Hopefully, tonight yet we'll get Teirach Adoshim Yitit Teitzeng. Meish Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in Tetzaveh. How this happens from the birth of Meish until today. Sometimes you wonder why did I... The Balshemtiv has a Meish the Balshemtiv Meish where the Chesidim came out in the winter, the cold winter and they saw the Goyim had carved out a Tzalem, a cross in the ice of the river, frozen lake. And they were very perturbed. Why did we have to see that? Came to Shul this past Shabbos. And I was accosted with just such a feeling. A fellow comes over to me. And he says to me, Why is Meshach been his name Meshach? He was born Zayin Adar. His bris was Yidal Adar. Yidal Adar is Purim. He should have been called Marachai. 
So I said, okay, I'm sure you have a brilliant answer. He said, of course. He's talking his bristles on Yudal other, but he was born on Zion other, which is Moshe Rabbeinu's yard site. So he's obviously had to be called Moshe Rabbeinu. I, I, I could only shake my head to that. But he went further and he said, but you also have to understand that when did he get the name Moshe? It wasn't when he got, when he was born. It was three months later when Batya saw him in the river. What's three months later after his birthday? Shvuas. Shvuas, Matan Teda. Matan Teda, which relates to Moshe. So they called him Moshe. I, I, shall I say, I'm a, I guess I was happier telling the story with the hammer. Um, maybe that's why I told the story with the hammer, actually. Moshe Rabbeinu's name for the first time is not mentioned in the Teda since his birth. In the Sefer Meiri Nayim from Nochem Chernobyla, he writes that Pashas Tetzava always comes out in the week of Zion Other. Shabbos is always a day that Minim is Baruch Bekula Yemen, that all the days of the week are blessed. The days prior and the days after Shabbos. And since during the week of this past week, as of yesterday, day before, was Zayin Other, Meshur Rabbeinu Ziyad according to some Zayin Other Aleph, and according to some opinions, a Ziyad is kept both months. Therefore, to commemorate the Histalkus of Meshur Rabbeinu, the passing of Meshur Rabbeinu, his name is not mentioned in Tetzaveh. Chazal tell us that Zion Oder, not only he was nostalgic, but he was born. If you're keeping score at home, it's Mesechtas Megillah, Yud Gimel Amid Beis, 13 side 2, where the Gemara tells us that he was born as well as passed away. So why make reference to Mesha's passing rather than Mesha's birth? Perhaps, perhaps we could say, Zakhtar, what's a name? What's in a name? A name means nothing to a person, really. Apart from the few times where I give a shir and nobody listens to, and I'm talking to myself, I have no reason to ever call myself by my name. No? Makes sense. Why would I call myself my name? For me, the name has no value. The name is only there for the Zulas, for the other person. When someone wants to make reference to me, he writes sometimes, yeah. a, uh, I go to the ale with people, and you write a pun for them. And you say, okay, what's your name? What's your wife's name? He tells the wife's name. And what's her mother's name? Not what you call her. What's her name? You have to make sure that you understand exactly where you're, who you're talking to sometimes. The pale, a name is only there for Zulas. So that another person can call you that. Haraya, a child when he's born. He hasn't got a name. A week later, usually eight days later, unlike tomorrow, Miyat 
tomorrow morning, actually I have two brisen, one is eight days old, and the other one is 15 years old. And the 15-year-old is going to get a Hebrew name tomorrow. So for 15 years, he didn't have the name. So we see that you can go for years without name. Doesn't really have a reflection on the person himself. So therefore, the fact that Meshach Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in Tzavah, not only is a reflection on his passing, but more importantly, even more so on the birth of Meshach Rabbeinu. The birth of a person shows his essence. And the essence of a person is higher than a name. And therefore, to show you how much higher than a name, we don't mention his name at all. However, reference is made to Meshach many times in the Pasha, and the first word of the Pasha, Ata Tetzave. Ata refers to the person, the etzim of the person. The Alter Rebbe was very close with the Tzemach Tzedek, his grandson. Unfortunately, Tzemach Tzedek's mother passed at a very young age. And oftentimes, the Alter Rebbe would learn with the Tzemach Tzedek as a child. And the Alter Rebbe once had the Tzemach Tzedek on his lap, and he turned to him and he says, Vuzayde? Where is Zayde? And the Tzemach Tzedek, the little child, pointed to his beard. He says, Nein. Thus is Zayde's bird. Vuz Zayde. And he pointed to his head. He said, Nein, this is Zayde's cup. Vuz Zayde. The child, getting frustrated, pointed one more time. He said, Nein, thus is Zayde's kerpa. This is his body. Vuz Zayde. Where's Zayde? child jumped off his lap, frustrated, and went off. But the child was not a fool. He was the Tzemach Tzedek. He went into the study of the, of the Alter Rebbe. He knew the Alter Rebbe was about to come in. He hid behind the door. When the Alter Rebbe came in, he said, Zayde! And the Alter Rebbe turned around. He said, Ot is Zayde. There's Zayde. He got his essence. He has the whole Matthias. The Zayde that he called turned around to look at him. And therefore, when we say Ato, Ato is the actual essence, the Mohus and the Atmos of a person. And therefore, it makes reference rather to the birth of Meshach Rabbeinu. Although, the common belief, it talks about the stalkus of Meshach Rabbeinu. But we go a little deeper than that. When a person passes away, Name, legacy, sometimes goes by the wayside. A tzaddik, on the other hand, the name is always remembered. Mesha is found actually in the parsha so many times. He's mentioned actually, as we just said, in third person. So in that case, what is actually the essence that's missing here? In the Zaya it says, when a tzaddik passes, tzaddikaya, the spater, mi'alma, a tzaddik passes, and the Altarebbe writes in Tanya, 
explains it in Tanya. Nigus Kedish, Nigus Hakedish, Igeres Hakedish, Chavzayin. That a tzaddik is more present in the world during his than even during his lifetime. There was a tzaddik from Yisrael. I've told the story before. That has a custom every day to go to a caver. Every day in Yisrael he goes to the caver of a tzaddik. And he came to America and he says, "Nishdavutz again. There's nowhere to go." Someone brought him to the ale. And he came to the ale and he was enthralled. Enthralled to an extent that he said, I have to go back. And he started coming every day. And after a few days, finally he said, Okay, we can go. He said, May I? What happened? He said, I came here the first day and I saw the Rebbe coming in taking all the requests, all the bakoshes, pijanus, and running right up the mile with them. Very, very involved. I wanted to ask the Rebbe a question, but I couldn't stop him. Today, I finally was able to stop him. And I said, Rebbe, you are the driving force in this world for Mashiach. The leader of the generation, telling and convincing and leading the generation to the words and the ways of Mashiach. What's happening now? What's going to happen now? The Rebbe said, I'm doing more now than I was doing before. And it's very imminent. So now that I got my answers, he said, now I can go. So we see that Sadiq, his essence is in this physical world even more than it was before. Because until now, the Rebbe was accessible by Yechidus in 770, by a dollar, getting dollars. Now there's less Asar Pony wherever you're going to call out, if you, wherever you are, whether you're in Buffalo, in Scranton, in in, in Queens, you can ask from the Rebbe a bracha. You either can open Igris Kedish, there's in English letters, there's in French letters, there's in all different languages, letters from the Rebbe. <laughs> Learning now in Rambam, Hilchus So the question arose, why do we accept? What we don't, what, 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 is, what, is, what it brings a gear during the times of Shleimah Melech, they wouldn't accept Gerim. They wouldn't accept converts. Why? Because the Jews were the most powerful nation. And a convert wanted to join the nation only because it's hip. It's an in thing to do. And that's not the intentions that a Ger is supposed to have. A Ger wants to be Megayer because he wants to connect to Hashem. So my son asked me, he says, I the holding in of a Yiddish is he's connected to the Nasi Adair. If the person wants to be Megayer, what's the difference in the generation is? And I told him, Amunas Sadikim, belief in Sadikim, only a Yid has. Until a person's Megayer, he doesn't have that Amunas Sadikim. 
He has a lot of other things he believes, and he's powerful, and he's connected. We're not going to deny that. But he doesn't have that Amunas Sadikim until he actually becomes that Geir. And at that point, the Nasi Adir, the Tzadik Adir, is the Neshama Kvalis that connects everyone. And everyone is able to get spirituality, draw spirituality from them. <coughs> so now we understand again why Mesha's name in this parasha is omitted. Or rather it's hinted only to Tzavah. Because a person's name, as we just mentioned, is only the identity. And therefore, Zayin other Meshach Rabbeinu's Neshama completed a complete cycle of 120 years, exactly to the day. And therefore, now we rely on the essence, this Pashtusa, the Meshach Bechadar Vedaraz is brought down in Zayar, to nurture us, and to lead us, and to keep us the way we need to be. Sometimes we say something. It went out. I said it. You can't take that back. Words that I said don't come back. When you write something with a pencil on a paper, you can erase it, but it still leaves a mark. Balaturim writes, Again, on this very same sh- subject of Meshul Abena's name being omitted in our Pasha, whereas until now the entire Chumash was not. And the reason is because Meshul Abena says in next week's Pasha, Erase my name from the book that you have written, and the Klol of Eklilas Chacham Afilal Tenaihibo. The curse of a tzaddik, of a righteous person, even if there's a condition involved, will come into fruition. And therefore, Mesha asked to have his name omitted, and this Pasha is the one that does so. What was this request? Mecheni no. Mesha is the essence of Taylor. Rizal tell us, our sages say, that Nasa Nafsha Avatera Vinikras Al Shmei. Shnemazikhu Teras Mesha Avdi. He sacrificed his own life, his very essence, 40 days and 40 nights, repeatedly, three times, no, neither eating nor drinking, nor sleeping. He gave his actual life for Teda, and therefore it was called on his name. Seder Azal, Simechilta, and Shmeisraba, and therefore it's called Teras Meisha Avdi. So in that case, omitting the name of Meisha, the very one whose name is called, this Teda is called for, doesn't doesn't jive. You're taking away some of his reward. But rather, 
the idea of Mesha, who is one with the Teda, you're taking out his essence out from this Pasha. So what is this whole shock of the request of Mechenino, erase me? Mesha did not request this for the good people of his generation, but to forgive the people from the Jewish nation that was sinning by the golden calf. And they had totally detached themselves from Teda. Hashem wanted to eradicate, to kill these people. And Moshe said, if that is the case, erase my name. Rather than hurt a Jew, rather than a Jew be hurt or killed, take my name, take me away. The love and the devotion to the Jews stronger than the which explains which is always interpreted you have to love a fellow Jew like yourself here we see Mesha went a step further and not just did he love like himself he loved the fellow Jew way more than himself so much so that he was ready to give himself up to totally take himself out of a safer hatayda that's called Tayras Mesha. And to detach himself. For who? For people that had no connection with Tayra. It's Pashtusa the Mesha Bechadara Vadara. Each and every one of us has a spark of Mesha Rabbeinu. And we need to utilize this spark. It's not enough just loving a fellow Jew. Mm-hmm. Not enough that we mekayim, that a person who's in a good situation, spiritually, physically, and therefore we get along with them. He's kamecha, because he's just like you. He's a peer, and therefore I feel well, I feel good with him, I sits with me. But rather the person needs to be mesa nefesh, for each and every Jew. To be mevatir on everything. Give up his whole essence to help another Jew. To be mesa nefesh for another Jew, no matter what the person's status is. This is a very, very strong lesson and a very strong mission, a very difficult mission, a task which Meshach Rabbeinu sets and paves the way for us. Only because this action was done and taken prior can it be done today by us. And this is just the very same issue. Because Meshach Rabbeinu sacrificed his very life, his very existence, it's difficult to explain how Mesha felt for Teda. We all know we have something in life that we really won't, don't want to sacrifice. 
I'll give up this, I'll give up that, I'll give up. Don't go there when it comes to one sticky point. Everybody has that one sticky point. But bottom line, for a few dollars or for this or for that, for an exchange, everybody always finds a reason to bend. So because we are not God forbid I want to call anybody wishy-washy, not that I want to label anybody as faint-hearted, but because we are lacking that firmness and because we sometimes waver on the most minutest things so because of that we don't know, we don't feel we don't relate to what Meshach Rabbeinu's connection to Terah was Meshach Rabbeinu you know, you tell you sometimes a person is very into his business, he breathes his business, he sleeps his business, he eats his business, everything he does around his business. Meshach Rabbeinu was a step further than that. There was nothing that was not tailored by Meshach. There was nothing that was not godliness by Meshach. We look around, we have a life, a car, a house, a this, a yens. Do we always see godliness in everything? We don't see godliness in everything. Unfortunately, there is godliness in everything. I had a fellow who asked me on Friday, do we meditate? The Jews meditate. So I asked him, with or without? He looks at me. I say, meditation, I'm asking you, do you do it with something or without something? He says, no, 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 no. Clean. Clean. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I just sat. He says, he had a meditate. He once sat down to meditate. And he could swear he had an out-of-body experience. He saw a big light. And he saw... Now the thing is, i got to watch out. Because he listens to this year. It's a very impressive level. When a person meditates on godliness, when a person meditates on the godless habere, on the greatness of the Creator, and achtus habere, the oneness of the Creator. We look, in this week's Parsha, it talks about the garments of the Kaanam. The priestly garments. We learn about the Kayan, Kayan Hedjit, the Kayan Godel. And then we get a curveball. The Asisa Mizbeach Miktar Ktedis. Shmeis, chapter 30, verse 1, Pedic Lamed make an altar for burning incense. That was last week. Pasha's Truma. We talked about the Mizbeach. We talked about the Meneda. We talked about the Shulchan. We talked all the the whole Mikdash was all discussed. But if you go back and look, you'll see that the Mizbeach Hakteris, the Mizbeach Apnimi, as it's known, is not mentioned. It's only now at the end of our Pasha the Mizbeach Apnimi is mentioned. 
The golden altar. We spoke about the copper one. And we spoke about it last week, the copper one. How it was made out of copper and the inside was sand. Here, this beautiful ornate one made out of gold was no mention until now. Till after the garments of the Kahanim. What was this used for? It was used for the katedas, for the incense. It stood in the Kedish of the Mishkan. It didn't stand in the Chatzar like the other one did. It stood in the Kedish together with the Meneira and the Shulchan. Why? Why does the Taylor wait until the end of this Pasha to mention this? Another thing that stands out about this Mizbeach, unlike the Mizbeach Hachitzin, where everybody saw it, the Mizbeach for Ketedah stood in the inside in Kedesh, it was hidden from the public eye. In fact, except for the Kayin that was bringing the Ketedahs, no one was allowed to be there at the time of the Ketedahs being brought. Nobody. Now you'll ask, who's nobody? And I'm not important enough? If I have a VIP pass, can I come in? Ha! Huh. They weren't allowed to stand even by the entrance. According to the Rambam. And the Gemara Yerushalmi, if you're keeping score at home, Yuma, Hey Halacha Beis, Perikei Halacha Beis, Yerushalmi writes, even the Malachim, even the angels could not be present in the Mishkan at the time that the Ketaris was brought were brought. So when I tell you nobody, it means nobody. The Kayan himself was there. Whoever it could have been nobody regular Kayan as well. So when we tell this, the Ketaris starts to tell us about this altar, about this Mizbeach, only after all the things that have to do with the Mishkan, all the contents of the Mishkan, after describing the uniforms worn by the Kahanim, and after the inauguration of the Kahanim, so the Teda is telling us, the Teda indicates here that the offering of this Ketedas, of the incense of this Mizbech Apnimi, is the highest service that can be performed in the Mishkan. Because ultimately, the highest level of Aveda to the Ebishta of connection is without publicity and without fanfare. And the Mizbeach Apnimi teaches us that what's the height of Teda and Mitzvahs, of Mitzvah observance, especially when it comes to Tzedakah, when one merits that only he knows that this was done. It's very, very interesting. I don't know how, you know, the story was very confusing a little bit. Very a little bit. Um, I know of somebody, he likes to give his tzedakah very quietly, on the quiet, but everybody has their mitzvah. They're in mitzvah they like to, to give their tzedakah to. 
Mapshat he enjoys Chasrashon giving the tzedakah this way. But it's a tzedakah, it's a charity that you're not getting a plaque for. It's a charity that probably nobody ever knows you did it. And that's Kvurus HaMesim. When it comes to a Levaya, Rechman al-Etzlan, and Levayas are very costly. And when this Chas Sholmi finds out from somebody that the Levaya has no one to pay for it, he puts his money there. So much so, about a year and a half ago, there was a boy in Russia, Khmaran that was killed here by a very weird accident. And they needed to take the remains back to Russia. They wanted to bury him there in their town. And there was just no money. And he went, and t- without asking any questions, found out, covered the bill, and the Levaya was done. Less than a, half, a year ago, a man was killed here in Crown Heights. Car accident, not an accident, whatever it was, by a taxi. And Achman al-Sam, the family, did not have the money. He called up, he found out who was putting together the money. He put down the money. Someone called him and said, I know you like this mitzvah. I also want to get involved with this mitzvah. How much do you think they need? So he said, uh, I already covered it. He says, so let me give you back half what you gave. I want to be your shutter, I want to be your partner. He said, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. I don't take partners in this mitzvah. And this is a mitzvah. It's a very, very awkward mitzvah. Because there's nobody coming back to complain, to tell you thank you. I think I told the story recently, actually, of the woman that used to pay for people to say Kaddish. And how she ultimately took care of somebody. Anyway, Lesalol of Ketedah Zora. We're still talking now about the Mizbeach HaPnimi. Chapter 30, verse 9. Perik Lamed, You should not offer upon it any other incense. Any burnt offering, the carbon flower offering, the carbon minchas. You shall pour nothing on it. The Mizbeach Apnimi, the golden altar as it was known, Mizbeach Hazov, which stood, as we said before, in the Mishkan, was only used for Ketaris. Anything else was Mizbeach Achitza. Chassidus explains to us the specifics of the service in the physical Mishkan. How we need to apply it equally with the spiritual Mishkan. You call me back and tell me what call in 15 minutes. We must each create within ourselves 
v'shachanti v'seicham. Each and every one of us has within ourselves our own inner sanctuary. In the person's personal migdash, in personal mishkan, the person also has the two mizbechas, the two altars, which is two levels of passion and interest. And Hasidus uses the lotion of Lev Chitzin Lev Pnimi, an outer heart and an inner heart. The outer heart refers to interests that are intellectually generated. They're inherently limited and contained. But the inner heart, however, refers to passions that we're drawn to with a profound sense of attachment. And this gives us ultimately an inner delight. and directly affects our very essence and our very survival. Now we understand why a Mizbeach HaPnimi nothing aside for potatoes could be brought. The animal that was burnt, the grains that were brought up, the liquids, the fluids that were spilled, that were poured, this all represents the Jew's responsibility to a physical world. The one needs to uplift it, take the mundane existence of the physical concepts, and uplift it by bringing it as a sacrifice. The blood, the fats, the grains. This therefore was brought on the outer heart, on the outer Mizbeach, to show one's involvement in the material world. It's directed to a higher goal, but it's material. This cannot become, though, the inner passion of a person. The materialistic world cannot become your, in, your passion, your zeal. Ketatus, the word ketatus, This represents the effort of the Jew within himself. How the Jew needs to develop a deeper and a more meaningful relationship with God, even if it's meditating on that. The actual word katedis in Aramaic comes from the word katar. Katar means a knot. We tie a knot. We have an inner bond with God that the Jew can cultivate through the study of Teda, the observance of his commandments. Only these exclusively holy endeavors can be offered on the person's inner Mizbeach. And this is therefore what the person pursues, their inner devotions, their inner dedications. Amongst the garments that the Kayanam wore, the Gemara tells us, Pasuk says, chapter 28, verse 30, Chavches Pasuk Lamed, The Kayagadl wore a Choshen HaMishpat, the Urim V'Tumim. Two things. My five-year-old grandson came home two days ago, 
very, very cut up, very upset. Why didn't you give me my Kayan Godel outfit? My son looks at him. He was sitting by the table, by the dinner table. And he says to him, Meshitzvi, if I stare at you, do you understand that I want you to pass me the ketchup? He says, no. He says, why not? He says, you don't tell me. And then Meshitzvi says to him, do you want the ketchup? <laughs> he says, no, Tatla. But if I want something, I'll tell you. You needed a car, you needed a costume, you needed to dress like a Kayngodl, because they're obviously learning in his pre-1A class about the begotten of the Kayanim. So learning about the garments, he needed a garment. He wanted to, the Rebbe said, whoever has will bring. But he omitted to tell his mother or father. So although Albeit disappointed, he told now his father, and his father, of course, came to Bobby's house and got the Kohen outfit. And actually, I think she was missing the Cheshen. <laughs> the Gemara tells us, if you're keeping score at home, it's Mesechtis Yuma, Chaf Aleph Ahmed Beis, 21, side 2. The Gemara tells us, the Mechusen Hei, there were five things missing. Five things that were by the first temple, that were not by the second. The Orin, the Ark, Urim Vitumim, etc. The Medish says, however, remember, the Gemara uses the Lashon, there were five things missing, Mechusar, missing. The Medish says, Chamish Dvarim Shenignaz, five were hidden, Ha'orin, Meneda, Five things that the Gemara, that the Medish, in Medish Rabbah, in Bereshish Rabbah, five things were hidden away. The Orin, the Menoira, the flame that remained always on the Mizbeach, and the Ruach HaKedish, the spiritual, the spiritual, um, people that had Ruach HaKedish that had foresight and the Kruvim but doesn't mention the Urim Vitumim whereas the Gemara talks about the Urim Vitumim what is the difference we could say according to the Rambam the Rambam mediates and leaves it in a way that it's not a baklik, it's not an argument the Ramam writes, Asub Bayasheni Urum Vitumim. By Bayasheni they made a makeshift Urum Vitumim. Kidei Lahashlim Shmeina Begodim said the Kayin Godel should have his full eight garments. They didn't ask anything. Because the Ruach HaKedish was not there. So whereas the first part talks about, in the Gemara, talks about Urum Vitumim was missing. The Medrash refers to it as the Ruach HaKedish. Durum Vitumim was a breastplate that had all the stones, the letters of the names of the Shvatim. And when a person asked a question, the letters would light up, forming the words. 
It was a great game of boggle. Because the letters didn't come out in order. The letters came out and the Kayan Gadol had to put them together. And that's why Chana, the mother of Shmuel, when she was davening, and Eli asks by the Urim Vitumim, what is wrong with this woman? Because she was sitting murmuring to herself. And the letters came up, Kaf Shin Reish Hei, which spelled the word Kshayda, that she's holy, that she's clean. He thought that he needed to mix the letters around, scrabble the letters, and he scrambled the letters to the word Shikeda, that she's drunk. Hence he asks her, how long, my daughter, will you sit and drink? This did not take place by the second temple. The Urim that they had did not answer questions. And therefore, according to the Rambam, we can say that both are talking the same thing. When it comes to Urim whether or not it was hidden away, according to Medrash, and according to the Gemara, when it comes to the question of Urim Vitumim, what happened to it? The Medrash on the actual Urim Vitumim itself. However, let's look at the actual wording that the Gemara uses and that the Medrash uses. The Gemara says, Mechusar, hey, five were missing, whereas the Medrash says, Nignas, they were hidden. The word Geniza refers to totally hidden away. They were nowhere to be found. Masha'enke, when you say the word Chaser, missing, only was not fully there. And therefore, when I say Mechusar, and I refer to the Urim V'tumim, it's missing. Because the truth was that the Urim V'tumim was missing in the Bayashani. In the second temple it was missing. What was it missing? It was missing that people did not ask from the Urim V'tumim questions. When you say though it was hidden, therefore we don't count the Urim V'tumim in. Because we can't say that it was hidden away. In Bayashani, the Urim Vitum was not necessarily hidden away, but rather it was just not functioning. The computer was down. Many different garments that are being discussed. Amongst the garments, we also talk about the Avnate. Each garment has a different representation, different thing that sits, and this, and that. Then they put on a gartel, they put an Avnate, they wrapped it around themselves many times. What purpose did the Avnet actually serve? And we'll search. You'll do your research. Whoever you'd like. You won't find anything. The Avnet had no reason. There was no reason or rhyme for that gartel, for that belt that they wrapped around them. But rather, rather, as when a person puts on a gartel for davening, person is signifying after I made my preparations for davening and I learned to whatever I did now I'm putting on my gartel and getting ready to really confront and to present my service, my prayer to the Melech Malchem, Melech Malchem, Baruch Hu
to the Almighty. So the Gartel doesn't just go around one time. It goes around several times to show, to involve the person in his preparation. And so too the Kohen. It involved the Kohen in his preparation. And therefore when we present ourselves, when we go to do a mitzvah, when we go to present ourselves before the Almighty, we don't just blurt out, we prepare ourselves. And therefore, we are commanded, as the Rebbe says in the Maimah, how one needs to command them, uh, connect themselves to the Nasi Adir, to the head of the generation. And therefore, as we come to this Shabbos of Yatatitzavah, Kisisa Esreish will be read by Mincha. We lift up our heads, we will come, we will meet the commandments the way we need to. Our heads will be lifted, our head, our Nasi, our Reish will be lifted up before us, and we will go this very Shabbos with Melech HaMashiach to Yerushalayim Yerakedesh. Shabbat Shalom to all.